The Start On Demand. On demand. McNabb is back from Mexico, just in time to talk about a pipeline protest happening in Winnipeg today, which once again raises the question, are these traffic-disrupting protests an effective way to get people to listen to the message? We'll talk to Brent Bellamy about transit expansion beyond the perimeter and rail yard relocation. How are the two connected? And I had a bit of a Grandpa Simpson moment over the weekend. I picture that headline from The Simpsons, Old Man Yells at Cloud. When a young couple in their 20s got on the elevator with their laundry on the 11th floor and went down to the 10th. Couldn't take the stairs? Is that lazy or should I just shut up? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Monday, February 10th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb back from Mexico. I guess I should say buenos dias. Is that right? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I only learned so many things. I ate a lot. Yeah? Ola is good enough, I think. Ola. Yeah. Ola. Ola. All-inclusive? It was all-inclusive, yeah. Was it so, a buffet style? Well, they, they could do the a la carte. They have the buffet. We went off resort a couple times to eat. So, yeah, no, really great week. I lost my voice, it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. You just noticed that? <laughs> well, it sounds different in my headphones. I'm I like, asked oh, you boy, if you were sick earlier. Oh, no, said, I'm not oh, sick. Okay. Not sick. I did see a few people on the flight wearing some of those masks, which had um, our kids questioning what was going on. And I'm I said, sure. but you know what? Maybe they're, at, they have their own immune issues. And so maybe they're worried about what they might catch as opposed to spreading things. But no, super relaxing time. Glad to be back. Glad it's not minus 40. Yet. Yeah, well, it's way. It's gonna it's gonna cool off. It is snowing right now, so careful driving out there. And if there's anything we need to know about in terms of road conditions, let us know at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Did you have any drinks while in a pool, like sitting oh, in the course. pool? Of course, that's yeah? the whole point. Good. Oh yeah. No, to the point where by day five, you're like, what do you mean the bar's not open yet? <laughs> like I'm already in the pool. <laughs> And I see there's a pool bar, and then they point to the sign. I'm like, yeah, I can read the sign. What time did it open? 11. And what time was it? I don't know, like 10, like around 10.50 on day five. You start to think to yourself, why, why is my hand empty? <laughs> yeah, it gets to that point. Right? And then you're kind of, and then by the end, you're like, we need to wrap this up because this is not healthy for anyone. But yeah, the whole point is that even the kids are like, you know, they have kid drinks that are fun to order and like slushy type drinks. And everybody wants to roll up. The, the the only thing the only thing that's hard about the pool bar is that um, never mind I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> Are you really talking about the hardships of I the pool I bar? Right is this where you want to yes, go? This is where I am in life. But what I no, I'll leave it. I might not even say it off air. I can't believe the pool bar doesn't open until eleven a.m. You would be like, how that, dear. dare they? Listen, you get to when you get starting to use about. You know, you get used to things. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I think it's pretty I, funny how quickly you become accustomed or even entitled to certain entitled things. Entitled is the right word. I also started having, like I just said to you guys, I gained like eight pounds in a week because you're not used to having all that food around you. And of course, you're not having to drink normally at 11 a.m. every day of the week. And I started also having a second lunch. Like, okay. I mean, oh, I, second oh, lunch. Like the, a hobbit. <laughs> yeah. It's the best one, the yeah, second like, lunch. Like, A, you would never have bacon every single day, but it's there. So that yeah. becomes your breakfast. And then you get hungry and you have lunch. And then it's like 2.33 and you're like, is anybody thinking like second lunch? Like there's a, you know, 
It's a buffet right there. Good like for it. you. I like it. Ah, oh, so unhealthy. Yeah. I, well, the one time I went to Mexico, I was 28 and I went to Mazatlan. And I think I put on 10 pounds. Yeah. I lost 20 pounds. Uh, I think in three months to go to Mexico, right. only so, to put 10 right. back in a week. So I've been going to the gym regularly because you're like, okay, well, we're, you know, you'll be wearing bathing suits and stuff. And I've lo- I lost all this weight or at least was fitter heading into it. And then I stepped on the scale this morning. I was like, oh, that's that's a pound a day. It's sort of like a savings account. You, you <laughs> save it? up. Is it? Save up for your trip and then you cash in some of your chips. And well, you were net up. 10 pounds. Yeah. And McNabb, you still look great. So oh, it's all good. It's so funny. Plus you, got, you actually got a little bit of color. And also it's so awful on the way home how sad the trip is compared to going down. Like everyone's in a great mood going down and <laughs> the airline's offering like mimosas and everybody's having a drink and the kids are in a great mood. And then on the way home, just misery. Yeah. Like just mad. Yeah. I remember when we got back from Mexico, seeing the, the stream of people getting ready to go down to Mexico yeah. was so, it was just, ugh. And you're the Sad people there. in the hotel, like dragging your bag through the lobby, just like it's over. But yeah. you know what? We were blessed to go. It was a great time. Good awesome. Enough. Good to have well, you back. Good to have you back indeed. Uh, just in time for something going on with bus rapid transit, Greg. What did you spot over the weekend? Well, it sounds as though there's a possibility, if I could hedge my bets anymore, that uh, BRT as is being built or has been built to the University of Manitoba, that segregated, dedicated bus transit way may not be the future of transit in our city after all. A report is suggesting that perhaps any future extension of, quote, rapid transit may end up being on existing streets. Yeah, rapid transit as we know it, at least the fast bus, which I love to call it, is so that they build a dedicated route. So that one to the U of M has been a billion. No. Quarter of a billion. About 400 million. Yeah, so half a billion dollars almost. So to build that that transit way, it's a dedicated route so no cars can go on it. So in theory, it should be faster. And if you look at the document for the next phase, like when will they, what will they build the next route on, it looks like they're talking just existing routes. You know, there used to be the talk that they might take the rail line from the Forks North, and that would be your north-north corridor. They might use Nairn to go east-west, but they would build an exist an additional line. Now, if you look at the maps, it's like we're just going to create a, a service It's basically a street. bus lane on, well, on well, the existing streets, right? So would they add, would they create an extra lane, or would they remove a lane well, from traffic? Well, it's not clear. It's not really clear at this point. So well, They said last week that they were looking at, you know, a study that would say, where else could we take rapid transit? Should, you know, we have new suburbs, we have Henley expansion, we have Waverly expansion. How will we get services out to those areas? And how would, what would that look like? And then when you go digging into some of the documents, you see, well, what would any of it look like a couple of years from now? It looks like it's, again, just it's no longer a BRT or even an RT. Just a T. Just more bus. <laughs> just a transit. Transit. Just and there transit. Are also conversations about expanding service to Stonewall, to Selkirk, to other bedroom communities around Greater Winnipeg. So we're going to have a couple different conversations about that. Is that even worth discussing? What are the motivations behind investigating such a thing? I have a sense that it has to do with appealing to the provincial government for more funding for transit. The idea of taking 
transit service beyond the perimeter highway. We'll uh, get some expert opinion later on this morning. And I, I just I have to quickly ask you this, Greg, as because in the as I sit down here, there's notes from uh, CJOB Sports Sunday with Cam Poitras, and he's got XFL thoughts here. And as I read it, he says, "Well, I watched the XFL yesterday afternoon. I was fully prepared to hate it." Believe me. What did you think? Uh, did you watch any of it? Yeah, I watched a little bit. It wasn't horrible. I like football, period. Yeah. So it was kind of neat. And some of the innovations, uh, one in particular, when there is a play that's challenged on the field, they actually have a camera in the booth with the replay official. And you can hear him sort of contemplating which way he's going to go. And uh, that's kind of a neat thing. Some of the, the clock uh, rules are very similar to the CFL. They've got a weird kickoff rule, though, where nobody can move. The kicker kicks the ball. No one can move until the player receiving the ball actually catches it. Oh. And then everyone can move. That's fun. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. So what I saw of it looked good, and even listening to the uh, commentator saying, I am I am really surprised to see how much good football I've seen here today. So that's funny. Like, where even the commentator went in completely skeptical. Sure. Because the first iteration of the XFL was a uh, was an unmitigated disaster. But that was no the question. whole problem with it, is that you actually had talented players on the field, but it was a, it was so gimmicky yeah. that right. there was no way to see any of that talent because you were lost in, like, why is this happening? Or why are they? Why did they change the rules so dramatically that I can't possibly figure out why this would be? So are they just frozen on the field, like in yeah, like basically a in suspended position? animation, just Until waiting. They, the guy catches the ball. The guy huh. catches the ball, and they line up not as you would typically imagine. The coverage team sort of moves forward with the kicker. The kicker launches the ball, and then everybody runs down the field. They actually line up. I think it's about thirty yards ahead of the kicker. And the, off, the the kicking team and the receiving team are 10 yards apart like they would be normally. They're just much further down the field. It's really wild. Right now, I said to myself, guys, that I wasn't going to stay up and watch the entire Oscars broadcast. I was at my dad's yesterday watching Pebble Beach, watching Winnipeg-born Nick Taylor win at Pebble Beach. And he said, you're going to watch the Oscars? And I said, nah, I'll probably go to bed at like 8, 8.30. But then something happened. It was actually entertaining, because I say this every year. Oscars are boring. The Oscars suck. But this year was fun. What switch did they flip for you? Well, I'll tell you that in a moment. And you're actually going to hear some of that, in fact, in this recap from ET Canada's Sangeeta Patel. And the Oscar goes to... Parasite. History was made with South Korean film Parasite taking home four awards, including the night's biggest Best Picture, becoming the first foreign language film to take home the award. I feel like a very opportune moment in history is happening right now. (sighs) After sweeping award season, Brad Pitt won his first acting Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think that's the truth. This is for my kids. We color everything I do. I adore you. With his fourth nomination, Joaquin Phoenix won his first Oscar for Best Actor for Joker, giving another powerful speech and ending with words from his late brother, River Phoenix. When he was 17, my brother wrote this lyric. He said, run to the rescue with love and peace will follow. Winning her second Oscar and first in the Best Actress category was Renee Zellweger with her captivating performance as Judy Garland in Judy. I am so grateful. Thank you so much, everybody. And on the eve of her birthday, Laura Dern won her first Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for her role in Marriage Story. Thank you all for this gift. This is the best birthday present ever. I love you. I love my friends. You lift me up every day. 
And 17 years after not showing up to accept his Oscar for Lose Yourself, Eminem taking to the stage for a surprise performance. Of course, watch ET Canada for all your Oscar highlights and head over to etcanada.com for all the red carpet fashion hits and misses. That is Sangeeta Patel. Not sure how, what happened when I first tried eh, to say it. Sangeeta Patel, 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 yeah. It's yeah. early. It's a Monday morning. She's going to join us tomorrow morning, by the way, at 9.06 because she got to visit Survivor Island. Winners at War starts Wednesday on Global. Can't wait for that. So the first thing, and this is the thing that really made me go, wow, the Oscars are fun this year, was that Eminem performance. It was a huge surprise to see Eminem come out. And I think what was super fun was watching how everyone was reacting. Loren, you were commenting on the memes of seeing all the people kind of awkwardly bobbing their heads in the audience. We were all just doing it now when you played uh, Patel's piece. We both had our heads going back and forth. Like, it's a rap, but, you know, kind of mom dance. Yeah, and it was, so I think everyone was surprised to see him. He just recently released an album, Music to be Murdered By, that came out, I think, on January 17th. Although there was one hilarious moment where the camera panned to Martin Scorsese during his performance, (laughs) just as he looked like he was falling asleep. I saw that. Yeah. Another music reference that I I loved came from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, this is great. And first, apologies for the audio quality. This is just from me recording it on my phone. We'd be crazy to miss out on highlighting those songs that have been attached to movies and that have forever impacted our collective memory. Moon River, Rainbow Connection, Danger Zone, T-U-R-T-L-E Power by Partners in Crime. Turtle Power. From the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just listen to this. Power. (laughs) Power. I guess we know without question Lin-Manuel Miranda is a child of the 90s. Yeah. I I can't believe, first of all, that it's been 30 years. Oh, you know, I'm going to send you, I have to find it, but they've done so many incarnations of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and then the the newer one had a song that we had to listen to like a thousand times with the kids. And then I got really into it, and I was like, I should make a choreographed dance routine with the kids to this song. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that, too. Like Ross and Monica when they do the routine. Yeah. The routine. Immediate flood of memories from that. I still have that on cassette somewhere, I think. But he's right in that that context when he talks about the power of music and movies together. uh, That just made it kind of a... It was a a funny sort of throwaway moment, but not really. And as for that best picture win, Parasite, I mean, he did it right here with us, Greg. You betcha he did. Potatoes co-host Jeff Braun, he boldly predicted that Parasite would win even though 1917 was the heavy favorite. So way to go, Jeff. He's going to join us at 7.45. And Bong Joon-ho, director of Parasite, he was entertaining on stage. I'm ready, ready to drink tonight. So. <laughs> ready to drink tonight. And actually, when, he won, when they won for first, the first award was for the screenplay, I think, right? Yeah. Best adapted screenplay would it have been, or original? Anyway, he won the award, and he the other guy's up on stage talking first, and he's in the background, like, looking at his award giggling to himself like he can't believe he's won it and then gets to go back up there a second time and then a third time, I guess, in the end. And uh, I think he was up there four, four times. times. Yeah, because the third time was director. So everybody in the beginning was like, what a cute, this guy's winning the Oscars just for his genuine joy. And then he keeps going, having to go back up there and make his speech. And, and it's just, I thought that was the cutest. Well, was it for the acceptance speech for best picture when he honored, or what, I guess director. it was director, when he's honoring all the other nominees? It was 
a speech that was so little about himself yeah. and so much about who he saw as uh, basically royalty in Hollywood on the director's front. I thought it was so uh, heartwarming to see him a overwhelmed the way he was and to honor those that he had been nominated alongside. I, I thought it was fabulous. Other highlights. I mean, they had no host this year, but Steve Martin and Chris Rock were the first to speak. They were great together, both former hosts of the Oscars. Like when Rock referred to Best Actress nominee Cynthia Erivo's film Harriet while slamming the Academy for its lack of diversity. Cynthia did such a great job in Harriet hiding black people that the Academy got her to hide all the black nominees. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the Oscars did a good job of highlighting diversity throughout the show uh, after the fact that there were so few diverse nominees. Mm -hmm. There was that mid-broadcast rap from actor Utkarsh Ambudkar, which I thought was really clever, the way he came up with that kind of... Like, he, he was making references to stuff that had already happened in the show. Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig were hilarious together. They should host next year. And they do, they were great when they pointed out the, the, the fact there was no women directors nominated and made a joke about that. And they were funny, but, like... I, I like it when it's making a point without being obvious, right? It was just so, I thought they were wonderful. They should host. Well, Natalie Portman's statement with her wardrobe was maybe the most subtle and most powerful as she had embroidered along the seam of her overcoat uh, o- that went over her dress, the names of the women that were not nominated for best director. I thought that was very subtle, very classy way to go about a protest, if you like. Yeah, Greta Gerwig got got hosed on that, not getting nominated. Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell were hilarious. I think I, that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much, because it, there was actually good comedy. Normally it's like fake and boring and annoying, but everybody did a good job. Even James Corden and Rebel Wilson, when they came out in their cat costumes and they took a shot at the movie Cats, which oh, they were that. in. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Which, of course, was... Panned everywhere, yeah. right? So it was just the first Oscars in years where I enjoyed it all the way through. They didn't take themselves cool. too seriously. Normally it's got this air of self-importance. Like, give me a break, guys. You're just making movies. It's just, Let's just have some fun. And they did. So cool to see Parasite win. I think I'll watch that tonight so on So you demand. actually hadn't seen that yet? No. No, I haven't. Jeff's seen it, I think, twice mm. at least. So again, he'll join us at 745. What did you think of Joaquin Phoenix and his speech? I thought, well, it was it was a bit better than his Golden Globe speech was kind of rambly. His politics were interesting, but I thought the way that he signed off at the end, uh, paying tribute to his brother River, his late brother River Phoenix, uh, was touching. So, yeah, and he referred to himself as, I've been a scoundrel in the Mm -hmm, past, and mm -hmm. I'm thankful for the fact that you've given me a chance to redeem myself. Second chances. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that was a powerful message, too, that we can all take something away from. Second chances are all right. But Saturday afternoon, I'm on the elevator, I'm taking some garbage and recycling down to the basement in my apartment, and this young couple, and they're probably in their 20s, early 20s, they get on the 11th floor, they've got their laundry basket, it's one of those baskets on wheels with the handle similar to your luggage, and so the guy's pulling the basket, the girl's got the cup of detergent <laughs> One cup? Hand. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so they're just the one laundry basket, two okay. between the two of them. And they get on the 11th floor and they go down to the 10th floor. And I thought, I think to myself, are you kidding? Like you couldn't 
take one flight of stairs carrying a laundry basket. And it just struck me as so lazy that a couple of able-bodied youngsters got to take the elevator down. I was just irritated by the laziness. Now, when you posted this on social media, I was on your side until you filled me in on one important detail. Okay. And that's the fact that the basket was on wheels. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it's on wheels. It's, that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to roll. <laughs> it's convenient. Very still, convenient. It's just carry. It great engineering. I'm just saying that now, I think that they were using it the way it's intended to be used. Did you see them both walk? Yes. Like, so nobody had a sprained ankle or no. something like that that no. would prevent a stare? <laughs> and again, there were two of them. So oh. so one if one of them is injured, the other one can still take the stairs. I so. get it's convenience. Like for me, all of my lamps in my apartment are all on um, smart uh, plugs. Yeah. So I don't have to get off my couch. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and you just conveniently need the lights to come on and off at the exact same time every day? Or? You got to pick the mood lighting, man. <laughs> got to pick the it's, mood lighting. But in that case, so that's that's one thing. You're sitting there. That's convenient. But what is the situation where you have to go from your apartment, walk to your elevator, wait for the elevator to come, take it one floor down, get to the laundry room? Yeah. Easily, it's easily less convenient than taking the stairs. I, I always had a three-floor rule when I was in that yeah. situation. It was like, I can do the stairs Faster for up and down for three floors, and the elevator will even get there. So I'd always do that. Oh, last time I lived in an apartment, the elevator was horribly slow. So yeah. I would always just take yeah. the stairs all the time because I just was like, I, I have no time to stand here and wait for 10 minutes for the elevator to show up. So yeah. I'd always take the stairs. Yeah, somebody uh, responded to me on Twitter saying, why didn't you take the stairs? And I said, well, I had five garbage bags and a, a pizza box and a, a bin full of recycling. So down 17 flights of stairs. Maybe not so much, oh, but come there, on, there, have, there have been times <laughs> where, where I, had, I have taken the stairs because I, I'm standing there waiting for like five minutes for the elevator thinking, okay, it's not coming. So I'm, I guess yeah. I'm hoofing it down the stairs. But I think it just, it, it was an example of how lazy we can be. And oh, yeah. It drives me nuts. Well, I've no got a good one. My, my, the, where I get my haircut is like two blocks away. And I got my hair cut yesterday, and none of you noticed, but whatever. That's a different issue. <laughs> Anyways. I noticed. Good, buddy. And Looking I always good. make sure that I have got some other errand that must be run so I don't have to walk to the barbershop. I can drive to the barbershop. <laughs> so you can justify yes. driving. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there's one thing I need at the grocery store. I'll go buy that. Then I'll get my hair cut. Then I'll go home. <laughs> oh, so, so I need my car. Because otherwise you would feel bad Otherwise, I feel, didn't walk. Yeah, exactly. Especially on nice days like yesterday. Any other examples of laziness that you see out in the wilderness? Well, I sometimes think that people at the grocery store, when it comes to um, buying, like, you know, grabbing the cart and then going to get their things, like, why do you need, because the carts are in the way and they annoy me too when you see someone with two things in front of you in line and they have this giant cart and you're like, (laughs) why on earth could you not just grab the cheese whiz and the crackers and walk to the, but then you think on the opposite end, I often don't get the cart and then I'm that idiot like holding six glass jars and like trying to like navigate my way to the And that's because you were too lazy to go and get one of those baskets. What about people who just leave the cart wherever in the parking lot? There that it is. Drives that's me the crazy, worst. Especially Terrible. when they leave it right beside my car. It's like the wind's going to blow it. It's going to hit my car. Yeah. But it's lazy and it's it's a complete lack of courtesy, right? Like yes. it takes five seconds to take the cart and put it in wherever they, like they've got them scattered throughout the parking lot, actual spots where you can put the cart. But that's, it's never more than 10 seconds away, right? Yeah, it's yeah. so disrespectful. And it's also why you, in growing number of grocery stores, like you pay for the cart. Like, yes, you get the money back, but the cost of them having to hire someone you to go around to, deposit. To, to gather all those carts. And that makes me crazy too, because I also am equally annoyed by having to pay for the cart. <laughs> <laughs> the 
because, always had the right nobody coin. ever has change, and then they get to walk all the way inside. And yeah, I can go on and on about grocery carts. <laughs> really for, good. In, in terms of millennials, this is such a millennial thing. But like uh, disc changing the disc has completely gone away. Where you'd like uh, in terms of like uh, getting video games now and stuff like that, people will now buy. It on your con- on their console instead of getting the disc and getting up and changing the disc, so they don't have to get up, walk the three feet to their console or their TV to change the disc. It's it's insane. Hold, hold on, now. Hold it's on. convenience. Which Let's generation invented the remote control? It wasn't the millennials that invented the remote <laughs> no, control. But yeah, but and they the, invented the remote control. Was our the disc, generation was the disc around during the uh, there were three channels. There were three <laughs> channels. The theory of it all. Adds another level to it because I'll be laying on the couch yelling at my phone, What time is it? Because I don't want to <laughs> turn my neck to look at a clock. <laughs> hey Siri, what time is it? Yeah. Let That's us know what lazy, you think. That's lazy, man. 204 780 Is it lazy? They took the elevator one floor when they could have taken the stairs. Oh, I saw that at the gym the other day going to a class. And then I met the person at the top floor and they got off the elevator to go. I was like, You're at the gym. <laughs> You, you, you couldn't take the stairs to the class? I was very confused. Very confused. I should have called them out. Right now, we have tickets to give away for James Taylor and his all-star band, the Coast to Coast Canadian Tour, with special guest Bonnie Raitt and her band, Bell MTS Place, April 21st. And we are getting calls now at 204-780-6868. So we've got James on the line looking to win tickets to see James. Good morning to you, James. Good morning. So here's your question, okay? Yeah. A parent is 30% more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. What is it? Get out of the house and get to work as soon as they can. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care if that's the right answer or not. That's good. That's a great answer. I love that guess, James, but that is not the answer. 67% of the people in this room agree with you, James. Uh, Let's try Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I would say take his kids to school. No, that's not the answer. Good guess, though. Good guess. Let's try Marlene. Marlene, the question is, a parent is 30% more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. What is it? Um, put a note in lunch. Oh, an act of kindness, perhaps. Oh, very thoughtful. Or don't forget, blankety-blank. No, right. no, that's not the answer. I'm sorry. I actually don't uh, know if I know the answer to this. I have a feeling. Yeah, well, let's see. Here's another James. Hey, James. Hey. Do you know what the oh, answer uh, is? I don't know. Sleep in. You're on the right track. Oh, jeez, close. On the right track. Good guess. Thanks, James. Let's try Wayne. At I'd say get up and drive their kid to school, Jeff. No, no, that's, no. The, that's not it, Wayne. But hey, good guess. Thanks, man. Thank okay. you, sir. Uh, let's try. We had Marlene. Now let's try Arlene. Hello there, Arlene. How are you? Hi, fine. Can I have the question, please? A parent is 30% more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. What is it? Yell at their kid to get out of bed. <laughs> no. That's, that's every day. <laughs> that's every day. <laughs> yeah, that was my dad's life for uh, about seven years, uh, junior high and high school. Uh, let's try Dennis. Is it Dennis or Denis? Dennis. Hey, Dennis. How are you? I'm pretty good. A parent is 30% more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. What is it? Uh, forget their lunch. No, 
Ooh, no, that's a good thought. That is a good one, though. I, I usually I forget like uh, as later on in the week I forget to bring later stuff. on. Yeah, yeah thinking early in the week you're out of the routine. I could see that. Uh, let's try, good logic. Let's try Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi. Do you know the answer? How about miss work? No. Oh no. no. But was hey, that what you thought it was? Greg? Yeah, I thought it was, that's what, exactly what I thought it was. But remember, that we we had that one answer where, where it was sleeping in, and I said that's on the right track. Don, do you know the answer? Stay home. What? Stay home? Yes. No. Afraid not. Sorry, buddy. Is it somewhere? Well, I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Let's try. <laughs> I, 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 the, the, <laughs> let's try Peter. <laughs> Peter, do you know the answer? Peter knows it. Yeah. Uh, dream not to go to work. <laughs> uh, no, that's not the answer, oh, but I love so it. I love it. Again, the question is a parent is 30% more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. I thought this might be easy, but wow. Let's see if Tom knows the answer. Hey, Tom, do you know what it is? Uh, hit the snooze button. Oh, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Does Mark have it on the text message? Uh, hang on a second here. Let's see. I got to scroll down to the text. Um, nope. No. No. Really? He said be late, but that's not it. That's not it. Okay, so it is on the right track if you are you sleep in. Yeah, it's on the subject of... Well, anyway, that's, that's about as far as I can go with that hint. <laughs> is it morning cuddles? No. No. And I meant... Is it brush your teeth? Oh, Loren meant something else. Oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, Laird, do you know the yeah. answer? Go back to sleep. No, not quite. We're we're getting close, but are you being a stickler, Brett? No, no, no? I'm not. No, it's it, because it's it's a specific, very specific. Answer yeah, Mike, do you know yeah. the answer? Skip breakfast. Skip breakfast. No. Okay, the hint is it has to do with sleep. Okay, if that wasn't clear, it has to do with sleep. And Monday, a parent is thirty percent more likely to do this on a Monday than any other day of the week. Let's try Pam. Hi, Pam. Hi. Is it let the kids sleep in? No. No, it has to do with the parents sleeping. But hey, good guess. Uh, oh, we had Fran and we lost Fran. Let's try Sandra. Sandra, do you know the answer? Uh, take a sick day. No. No. I, she almost, I thought she had it based on the way she started that phrase. There's another hint. She said, take a sick day. Hmm. Shelly, do you know the answer? Uh, is it be late for work? No. Oh, I'm sorry, Shelly. Good guesses, everybody. We're 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 getting there. Marlene, hi. Is it is it um get up with one alarm like no snoozing? Wow, like eager to to just take on that world. Yes. No. <laughs> is this happening no. in your life? This doesn't happen in people's lives on Mondays. No. no. Sherry, do you know the answer? The call in late. No. No, I'm oh, sorry. Okay, let's give the hint one more. The hint again was that it has to do with sleep. Yeah, it and, has to do with and sleep. the word take. Yeah. Do you think you know what it is? I think I do. Okay, well, let's see if Wayne knows. Wayne, do you know the answer? Take a nap. Take a nap, Yay! yes! That is the answer. Congratulations, Ooh, that Wayne. That was exhausting. I'm, yeah. ex- I'm exhausted. I'm going to need a nap after this contest. <laughs> Perfect contest. <laughs> Wayne, congratulations, buddy. Uh, did you know, did you Google it? No, I didn't. Attaboy. Are you going to take a nap today? 
I, I definitely will. <laughs> Dude, take one for us, too, okay? <laughs> okay, will do. Wayne, I'm going to put you on hold. Jeff Forte is going to get your details off the air. Wayne is going to see James Taylor with special guest Bonnie Raitt at Bell MTS Place on April 21st. And we have tickets to give away for this all week long. Also, on the news, this is cool, This because Valentine's Day is on Friday. Mm-hmm. Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham have a $100 gift card for Ben Moss. So you got to listen to the news all week long for your chance to win that $100 gift card to get your sweetie something just in time for Valentine's Day. I'm curious to see what's going to happen on Friday. If somebody's going to hold out to try to get this gift card, they get the gift card, they got to come get the gift card oh. and then go out and get the gift for Valentine's Day. That's pressure. Yeah. Some people like that. Some people are just Thrive the day on of. that? Yeah. I like to buy things day of, mostly because I've forgotten until the day of. <laughs> Well, you also thrive on the pressure. I do. Right? I love it. I love going right down to the the, the wire. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, every, every almost every day, Loren will be walking in our door <laughs> just as the show starts, right to deadline. Is that how you were as an anchor too on TV? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had times where I'd get my necklace caught in my blazer, and the microphone would be off, and the countdown would be ten, nine, eight, and Mike Conkin and Heather Steele, and everybody would be like trying to get me all <laughs> wrapped up and buttoned up, and. Calmly, good evening. Thank you for joining us. Moments ago, I did not have a top on. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb back from Mexico. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Right now we have to tell you about something that is happening this afternoon in downtown Winnipeg. Yeah, we have community members from across Winnipeg kind of joining together in a peaceful, what they're calling a peaceful max. Mass action in solidarity with Wet'suwet'en, hereditary chiefs and peoples. This, of course, is related to the pipeline that's uh, underway or construction underway in B.C. And all sorts of different groups coming together today to protest their thoughts about what's going up there. As part of that protest this afternoon at Portage Place, where crowds will gather and move to disrupt traffic, there has also been an ongoing protest outside or inside, rather, local MP Dan Vandell's office. Emily Amos is part of both and joins us now. I want to start with that, Emily. Tell us about what's been going on at that office. You've been basically doing a sit-in or a lie-in? Hi. Um, we've been doing a sit-in since last Tuesday. Uh, we've been setting up camp here, basically. We've also gotten a lot of support from the community with uh, food and water. We also have a sacred fire set up outside that has been burning since Tuesday. So what's the overall reaction been from the public, Emily? Have you had much interaction with those uh, other than the people that are inside this group, this coalition of groups that are coming together today for this protest? Uh, Yes, we have had a lot of support from the community. We even had uh, a number of Dan Zendel's constituents from the area come to say hi and drop us off some like goodies and stuff. So what is the message for people who are trying to figure out why you're there or why you, they might see you downtown in Winnipeg today protesting outside Portage Place and maybe down Portage Avenue? What's the concern with this pipeline that's going up hundreds of kilometers away? Um, the concern with that is that the pipeline is being built in uh, the hereditary land of people who have been living there and raising their families there. So it isn't just like a camp that people go there to like have fun at. Like people have actually been living there for a number of years and there's like a lot of people who are, are actually like sending their kids to school from there. So it's like it's it's a home invasion basically. It's not, not just like a raid on a camp. It's a home invasion. 
Is there a, a, has there a perception across the country of what type of uh, community we're talking about here that's been uh, protesting this? Um, the perception, I think people think it's just like a camp, but it, um, I just wanted to like put it out there that it's not just a camp, it's people's home. Now, Emily, uh, and first of all, thanks for joining us, by the way. We appreciate this. Oftentimes with these protests, we reach out and we don't mm-hmm. hear back. So we appreciate that you've come on with us. Uh, of course, the inevitably, you know, the, the topic is going to come up. Why disrupt traffic? Why not be maybe line the, the, the corners at Portage and Main instead of disrupting traffic? So I'll ask you on uh, behalf of uh, motorists who will want to know why. Why disrupt traffic for this protest? Um, disrupting traffic is a good message to send to people and it's a good way to get people's attention and the media's attention. If we just stay on the sidelines, then nobody really pays attention to us. They just drive by us and they're like, oh, cool, people will find. But when we actually block traffic, we're actually forcing people to pay attention to our message and listen to what we're trying to fight for. You know what I mean? So what would you say to those that say, yes, but I would have listened, but now I'm angry and I'm annoyed and therefore I don't want to hear your message. What's your response to that? Um, I don't really pay attention to people like that. I I try to ignore um, negativity like that, but uh, I guess my message to people like that is if you're angry about us disrupting traffic, think about the dozens and dozens of people and families' lives who are being disrupted. Like there's people who are living in their homes and then being arrested and put into jail cells for living at home. You know what I mean? So what's the plan this afternoon? What can we expect in terms of the crowd that might show up around five outside Portage Place? And is the goal to take that protest and disrupt traffic out, right outside uh, Portage and Edmonton? Or is it down to Portage and Maine that protesters plan to go? Um, I think we do plan going to Portage and Maine. Um, first, we're going to be having a round dance inside Portage Place, and then we're going to be moving outside to block traffic. So a lot of people, Emily, will be asking, do you, do you have the appropriate permits? Have you applied for a parade permit to do this, or is this action that uh, you're just going to take uh, on its own? Oh, we're, we just plan on taking it to the streets. You don't really need a parade permit to peacefully protest something. How many people are you anticipating uh, participating in this or hoping for? Um, I'm, I'm honestly not too sure. The last action we had, uh, we had close to 200 people and we weren't expecting that at all. So I, I have no idea. I've not, I have no idea what to expect. All right. Emily Amos joining us live on 680 CJOB. Emily, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. So once again, community members from across Winnipeg are going to join in a peaceful mass action in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs and peoples. At 5 p.m., crowds will gather at Portage Place and move to disrupt traffic in an act of peaceful, powerful solidarity. She makes a good point. I mean, I'm always, I'm always the one who is on team traffic, so to speak, with these protests. Why disrupt traffic? And she said, when she said, if you're angry about this, then think about this. You know, like is. Uh, if, an inconvenience to your drive really a big deal in the big picture. Well, I think the other side of that argument or to add to it is you're not paying attention to what we're saying now anyway. 
whether you're angry or not, you're probably going to get a little bit more of the message. Mm-hmm. And uh, Loren, the, the question that you asked is completely valid, just this idea of, well, you know, uh, disrupting traffic typically does not build any sympathy towards these causes. But Simply it might not anger, have been there anyway. And I think that's the point. That This is one of several peaceful or powerful protests, whatever you want to call it, taking place across North America. I think there's a hundred different locations as part of this day of action. And we've seen them before. It's not necessarily that they'll block the road or a rail line for minutes or hours. Often it's 30 seconds. You know, they walk in, walk out just sort of to, to make you notice that they're there. But they can, because they come at a time of day, the traffic is so busy, even just throwing five to 10 people on a busy intersection like Portage of Maine can really slow things down. So yeah. if you're traveling at 5 p.m. today through the downtown, like it or not, expect delays. Hey, I got an email here from Sleel. I love getting emails from Sleel because he's always so angry. And this is about the protest that we told you about. There's going to be that peaceful protest downtown starting at Portage Place at 5 p.m. And then they're going to head out into traffic. And Sleel says, the big picture is that the majority of people support the pipeline projects. The big picture is that all the elected councils of the reserves are in support of the pipeline. The big picture is that the duty of consultation doesn't grant the right to veto. The big picture is that the right to protest does not include the right to blockade and hold people's lives hostage. The big picture is that the police should do their damn jobs for once and arrest all of them for their blockades. Either that or the rest of us have the right to blockade them and stop all goods and services from entering them. What's good for the goose is sauce for the gander. Oof. This crap is a two-way street. Well, and Greg asked the question of our last guest, and this is about the protest that's taking place this afternoon at Portage Place that will likely move on to the street at Portage Avenue because they are promising to, quote, peacefully disrupt traffic. And Greg asked the question, well, do you have a permit to do that? Because that often comes up. And she said, uh, we don't need a permit to peacefully protest. And there, there's kind of this gray area there that there is some truth to that. But I understood that to be more if it's like an organic now we're protesting because we're upset. We've hit the streets because this just happened. And now we're going to, you know, let you know our anger or our frustration or our happiness because, you know, say so the Jets won the Stanley Cup, not jinxing anything. But if you have a planned protest, reading the city of Winnipeg website, then a permit is required. And depending if you call it a protest or a parade, it's not supposed to happen during either rush hour period, which is 7 to 9 a.m. or 3.30 to 5.30. And this one's starting at about 5 p.m. So, you know, there there is that line that everybody seems to be dancing. Now, if you're the police, though, moving in on a protest and, and starting to arrest people, never it never ends well. That just is a recipe for disaster. When's the last time we saw that in Canada? It's been some time. There was one in Ontario, I remember, that led to an inquest. And the only reason why I I, I sort of was like the moment that ended police moving in because the OPP moved in on this protest and it was also an indigenous protest and it ended up with a man being shot dead. And therefore that that sort of changed all the rules as to how you respond and with what level of artillery or response or violence and all the rest. And so as a result, I do think you can think of Oka too, like there's been protests that have not ended well for either side, and I put that in quotes, police or whoever's protesting. And so it's, it's, you want them to move in, well, at what cost? Well, one of our listeners asking, why do you give these people, uh, you know, the time of day and airtime? One is to let you know that you're 
drive home may be severely disrupted if you use uh, Portage Avenue as a means of, of getting home or getting to where you need to go at that time of day. Two, if I at some point in my life or you at some point in your life feel as though you're not being heard, whether anybody agrees with you or not, that if you had enough people together that wanted to support you and protest and have your voice heard in a similar fashion, that I'd be allowed to do so. Yes, I would anger you. Yes, I would probably uh, feel the wrath of, of motorists uh, continually, continuously and uh, for time much longer than the protest. And third, sometimes it's to present the fact that some of these protesters don't necessarily know completely why they're protesting. There's a multi-prong reasons for allowing people to express why they're doing what they're doing. Well, I'll tell you this. At around 5 o'clock, if they get 100 to 200 people, which they are expecting, if they do move on to the street, this station will be inundated with texts and emails and phone calls. What the heck's going on yeah. on Portage Avenue? So at the very least, here's your PSA. That's right. At this the is, very this least. This is happening you don't want to be disrupted by it, find a different route home. Leave earlier. Jason texting us at 204-780-6868 saying, oh man, these protesters just don't get it. I've been part of several large protests in my time and the first thing we would always aim to do was to relate to the people we were trying. Oh, hang on. I'm sorry, but just we're getting more texts and it's scrolled up. Is to relate to the people we were trying to get behind a cause. I'm ready to protest Traffic blockers, this stuff's getting so out of hand. The anger is based on the idea that you, as traffic blockers, are stealing our time. Time we would be spending with family, etc. Perhaps blocking traffic on the way into work might be a more productive approach. No. Then it is company-slash-corporate time that is being stolen, not Joe's six-pack that you need behind your cause. Let us know at 204-780-6868. Right. I can get behind that. There's yeah. your built-in excuse. Well, you heard about the protest. It, uh... But then your boss is like, you work in Transcona and you live in Transcona. What did the Portage you made protest have to do with you being late? Oh, I was taking the scenic route. Uh, you know, I had to run an errand in the morning. I, want, I wanted to go get coffee at uh, my favorite coffee shop in West yeah. Portage. So. You work I in was, Brandon. I was thinking about moving to St. James. I wanted to time out if it was, <laughs> if it was a good idea or not. Over the weekend, several stories about the future of transit and what the system may look like once the review of the transit system is completed and released. We're making the rounds. Yeah, on Friday, word that part of the study includes a look at the possibility of expanding bus service to communities outside the Perimeter Highway. Joining us to discuss this and other topics, Brent Bellamy, Creative Director and Architect at Number 10. He contributes weekly for the Winnipeg Free Press and he's Chair of Centre Venture. Good morning, Brent. Good morning. So uh, why don't we just jump to uh, my conspiracy theory here <laughs> and this look at expanding transit beyond the perimeter, anything but a move to open the door to increase provincial funding for transit? You know, um, I had that exact same thought and I actually had several people coincidentally text me or tweet me asking that exact question. And to me, that's a really disappointing thing to hear because there, it's what it says to me is that there's become this idea that the provincial government is for Manitobans who don't live in Winnipeg and that we need to include bedroom communities to make Winnipeg transit a priority. You know, that's tremendously disappointing that this, the province's city building priorities are almost as important as the city of Winnipeg the city hall's uh, priorities because, you know, 
the city's budget is $1 billion, just over $1 billion. The province's budget is $17 billion. We need their money to do things in the city. And, you know, Winnipeg is 60% of the population of Manitoba lives in Winnipeg. You know, we don't, if we have priorities, we shouldn't need to bring in satellite communities to, to make it happen. You know, you mentioned just the idea that that the money discrepancies that are happening between the city and the province, but money is the issue when it comes to creating a better transit service. And so I, I'm on the school of thought that why would we look at it expanding it beyond Winnipeg when so many people say it's not good in Winnipeg to begin with? And so when you look at that idea, is it worth exploring if money wasn't an option? Yeah, I, you know, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that transit is struggling to keep its head above water. Uh, Winnipeg is actually the only city in Canada where transit ridership is lower than it was in the 1990s. Most cities are growing their transit investment exponentially. And we're actually, you know, the province is actually cutting funding to Winnipeg Transit. And we're talking about what are the least impact cuts we can make instead of growing, what are the best opportunities for growing our transit system. And, you know, that's impacting services. There was, the numbers came out, 50% of rush hour buses are late. There's a record number of, of pass-bys where, you know, buses are so full they don't even stop. Um, and if anyone is paying attention, the draconian cuts that they are presenting at the, at the city budget process was, you know, really frightening. They're, they're looking at cutting routes and reducing the number of buses on the roads. And, you know, I think we should definitely be um, focusing on fixing that before we look at uh, creating new markets for the, for the public transit. Yeah, Brent, as somebody who used to take the bus all the time before I had a car, um, I would like to take the bus more often, but the odd time that I do, and it's only been twice in the last three months, but both times the bus was 10 minutes late, and to me that's just, I might as well just get a cab. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, you know, we need to be focusing on providing better service in the, for the places that are going to use it. If we, if we look at the use of transit it's quite obvious that as the further you get away from the center of the city, the less transit is desirable to use. And that's, you know, longer distances, uh, reduced frequencies. Um, so I think if we're looking at, you know, just comparing a place like Sage Creek, 5% of people tr- uh, go to work on the bus. Where in St. Boniface, it's like 21, 22%. So I would expect that as we move even beyond the perimeter, those numbers are going to drop even more. So I would say that we should be focusing on the areas like St. Boniface or like the inner city or like, you know, neighborhoods, even Transcona, places that do use the bus and are more likely to use the bus. We should be focusing on providing better service there than trying to attract, you know, 2 or 3% um, of a ridership in the far um, bedroom communities. Do you think that's as a result of the service being poor in those areas, though, Brent, what comes first, investment and these things? We had Janice Lukes on this morning, and and many of us are kind of flabbergasted at the idea that, you know, you build even one house across a certain uh, red line uh, with regard to a development, and I'll use the word plan in quotation marks, and at, at the very same time that you start building said house on the other side and you're opening up another property simultaneously, a new community center, school and fire hall and other amenities should be being built at the very same time. And, and we can't even manage to do that. Yeah, it's definitely a chicken and egg. Um, lower frequency across the board reduces ridership. And when you have new neighborhoods coming out and, and you can only provide one bus every 45 minutes, of course you're not going to use it. 
but it's also the fact that the bus ride is then an hour into the city if you're going downtown or whatever it is that that efficiency is also not there and we're not designing our neighborhoods themselves to even be transit friendly you know most of our grid neighborhoods were built around streetcars and that's why they were grids because they would you would run the streetcar down the main street and all the housing had real close walking access to it we don't design neighborhoods like that anymore they're cul-de-sacs you can't run buses down cul-de-sac streets and picking up people it's really inefficient so it's this entire um, way that we design our city that is causing transit to be less efficient so transit doesn't run buses to those neighborhoods so then there's not enough service for people to want to use it. So it's, it's an incredible um, spiral, and it's a difficult thing to get out of for sure. And, and we lose a lot of money running buses out to those neighborhoods. They should definitely have service. But when transit is trying to decide where they're spending their money, do you put it on a bus in St. Boniface that's overloaded? Or do you put it on a on a bus that runs out there with, you know, six people on it. So it's, it's difficult choices that need to be made for sure. Difficult and expensive choices. And we'd like to take the conversation to a place that you uh, also took it to over the weekend, uh, sharing an article and a tweet and a map on your Twitter handle, Brent underscore Bellamy. Anyone to give you a follow if you kind of want to be have your have a thought provoking conversation, or I'm sure sometimes people don't agree with you either, Brent. But the, but the Most idea the, time, <laughs> the, the, the idea that you put out was just about the idea of rail relocation, which has people groan or roll their heads or say mm-hmm. we can't afford this. But there is a link between the real estate taken up by rail yards in our city and a connection to transit in our transit system. Is there not? Yeah, it's absolutely true. If I I made a map actually because I was just curious how much of Winnipeg is used by tra- or, um, rail and it's staggering we kind of don't put it in our minds you know you drive over the arlington bridge and you look down and you see how big it is but that's not there's several rail yards in the city and there are several rail lines crisscrossing the city and when you actually see it it's a huge amount of real estate in our city is devoted to one heavy industry and we have no plan whatsoever for it and i think if it was any other type land use we would be discussing how can we better use this like do we need do the rail yards really need to be that big? What What are the operations today? What are the opportunities for for growing the city inwards? You know, we just talked about transit out in Waverly West. Imagine if Waverly West was five minutes from downtown, you know, in the in the CP rail yards. Imagine the transit service we could have there. You know, the opportunities are really staggering once you think about it. And, you know, I, I looked at some studies in other places. You know, we, we don't even have a study to see what the opportunities are. The conversation is based completely on on conjecture. You know, people were tweeting me, oh, it's going to cost trillions of dollars to do this. And, and so we just don't even think about it. But if you look at studies in other cities, it actually isn't that expensive. And for the most part, the tax gain that comes back and the quality of life that comes back actually makes it profitable in the end. It definitely, you know, in 30 years. But it actually does become something worth looking at in other cities. So I think we should be looking at it the same. Well, I think uh, we should remind ourselves, not only was the Forks once upon a rail yard, but so was the Outlet Mall, where the Outlet Mall is now in Tuxedo. Uh, There didn't seem to be any problem in negotiating a move of the resources uh, at that transmodal facility 20 years ago and moving that to Transcona. I, 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 I agree with you so much on the idea of we don't, know how much this idea would cost and versus cost the value of the potential investment and what the return might be is something that that is completely unknown that's the thing i, I just want to have a discussion with 
facts. You know, good decisions are based on good information. So let's have good information. When such a huge amount of our city is taken up by this one industry, let's talk about what the opportunities are. You know, I don't think that train companies love running at half speed, quarter speed for 40 kilometers through the middle of a city. If you ask them today, what would be the best place? We were starting from zero. What would be the best place for you to locate your operations? I don't think they're going to say five minutes from downtown of a major city with rail lines crisscrossing every single residential neighborhood in that city. They would probably say on the edges of a city or further out and running rail lines where they don't have to slow down for traffic. You know, speed is money in their in their business. So I, that's they can be profitable as well. It's not just about making a better city. We can actually make CN and CP more profitable by moving them away. Well, and uh, before we let you go, just the BRT question and the and the assumption or presumption, perhaps, that segregated transitways aren't in the future. We might only see one of those on the Southwest Transit uh, uh, corridor. This idea now that with rail yard relocation might come the opportunity to create either light rail opportunities or other segregated busways. Uh, what do you think is more important, uh, Brent, the idea of a BRT or a higher frequency transit service, uh, pardon me, service running on regular surface streets? Yeah, I've always been a big booster of, of rapid transit. I think a good transit system, a healthy transit system, if you look at other cities, it's a combination of everything. It's bringing people in from the suburbs on rapid transit. It's high-frequency transit in the inner city. But like we were saying earlier, we're, we're kind of being forced to make a choice here. And I do think until there's a real commitment, and eventually there will be a real commitment to transit because it's happening in every other city, I think maybe we are better served at focusing on higher frequency. But I really want to make sure that we don't just get neither. You know, if we're going to not do rapid transit, then we need to put that money into building higher frequency transit. We can't just forget it and not do not do either of them. And we haven't even gotten around to talking about oil pipelines rolling through every corner of our city. We'll save that for next time. That's true. All right. Thanks very much. Brent Bellamy is creative director and architect at number 10. He contributes weekly for the Free Press and he is chair of Centre Venture. Joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.